Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Church Podcast. Psalms 23 in the lobby. If you did not get one of these books, they are free. So some of you are like, oh, I might pick one up now. Um, so uh, this is called A Shepherd's Look at Psalms 23 by Philip Keller. This is the best book I've read um, on Psalms 23 period, but it is absolutely one of my absolute favorite books I've ever read. Um, and so I'd really love for you to pick this up. Today we're c- trying to cover the first three chapters. There's no way. Um, next week, homework for today, for this week, we're going to try to read through chapters four through six. Um, and there's no way we're going to get all through those because there's just so much amazing material in this book. Um, and I promise you this, it will change the way you read Psalms 23. If you ever read this book, it will absolutely change the way you read Psalms 23. So today we're starting that series and we're going to start with the text, the whole Psalms 23 the, the shepherd's psalm, and it says this out of the King James Version. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's going to be our text today, one verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me. In the presence of mine enemies, thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are several places in the Bible where we are called sheep. There are several places in the New Testament where Jesus compares us and calls us sheep. And a lot of times, this is not a a good thing. A lot of times, this is not a positive thing. In fact, one of the first times he does this is found in Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 36. It says this, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That is not how most of us would like to be described, right? Like, oh, they're harassed and helpless. God bless their heart, right? Um, That's not how you and I would like to probably be described. Nonetheless, that's how Jesus describes a lot of us. And it strikes me 
how our lives are very similar to the lives of sheep. Now, if you have been coming very long, you know this, but if not, I'm going to catch you up really quick. Um, my oldest daughter is showing, she's in FFA, and she is showing sheep. Um, this is Peaches. Um, this is her sheep named Peaches. Now, Peaches looks nice, right? She looks cute, and we'll get to that in just a second. I have to tell you, I have no idea what I'm doing right now. Um, when, when we got Peaches, I was like, I, I got nothing. Me and Casey have no idea. Charlie had no idea. We had some good friends, the Bowmans, that had been in FFA and had shown sheep. Um, and so they kind of helped us out. And Charlie knows what she's doing now. But still to this day, I don't know. I'm just like, what am I supposed to do, Charlie? Like, you tell me what to do and I'll do it. So today I'm going to be scooping poop up. Um, this afternoon I will be cleaning out her pen. That's, that's what your pastor does on his Sunday for relaxation. How about you? Um, and so uh, uh, it, it, it's funny. There's a lot of times where we feel like we don't know what to do. Like we don't know how to function. We don't know how to move forward. But can I tell you the good news is this? You have a shepherd that does. You have a shepherd that knows exactly what to do in any and every situation, and nothing catches him by surprise. And it's amazing to me that Jesus calls us sheep. And I've been hoarding illustrations for this series as we've had this sheep, as we've had peaches that I call cobbler, um, because I'm like, all right, um, here we go. This is my series finally. And, 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 and there are several ways we are very similar to sheep. First one is this, is that sheep are very stubborn. Um, and some of you are like, with your spouse, you're like, yes, we are very stubborn people. Um, and you're just pointing to your spouse. We're stubborn. And we're going to talk about that next week a lot more. Um, just our stubbornness and our unwillingness to change and move and do things that are good for us. But um, they're stubborn. We're stubborn. Um, sheep can be very, very needy and without direction. Uh, some of us are like, we're directionless. We don't know where to go. You're like my in-laws. Anytime they get into their car um, to go someplace in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or Jinx, they call Casey and I and say, hey, do you know how to get to this place? And I'm like, did you ask Siri? Did you use an app called Maps that comes on your iPhone? Have you put it in? They're like, no. I go, I've shown you 10 times. Dear God, talk to Siri, please. Just ask her, <laughs> you know? And they're like, well, I thought you might know. No, I've never been to the AARP headquarters. I don't know how to get there. Ask Siri. Um, sometimes this is confession time for me, just to be real honest. Um, we're directionless. We don't know how to get where we need to go. There, there's another thing that sheep are. Sheep are self-destructive, which is a really nice way of putting they do dumb things. They do dumb things. Like if we were to leave the bag of sheep food in Peach's cage, right, in her pen, she would eat herself to death. She would literally consume that whole, whole bag of food. And you're like, no, why? We don't do that. It's called Thanksgiving. Um, they're self-destructive. In fact, I read a news story about uh, uh, some shepherds in Turkey and um, talking about Thanksgiving turkey, see how that segued so smooth. Um, and so shepherds are in Turkey, um, and, and they took a break for breakfast. They took their eyes off. I take my eyes off you for one second. And the sheep 
all of a sudden, 1,500 sheep start following one sheep, and the sheep goes down this huge cavern of 15 meters, and all these sheep, 1,500 sheep, follow after it. The first 400 sheep die on their fall, just totally die, and they create, I'm not kidding you, a tempur mattress for all the other sheep. <laughs> they just fall, and all the other 1,100 sheep are alive. They're like, man, this thing's kind of fun. It's soft, you know. Um, um, but, but why would you do that? Because they're stupid. They do dumb things, right? They put themselves in stupid situations. And can I tell you, I'm not trying to be mean. We do the same thing. Sometimes we do dumb stuff. A lot of times we do dumb stuff. We do stupid things and we're like, why did I do this? Because you saw your friend do it. You saw your parents do it. It's what society tells you to do in the direction to go. We're very much like sheep. The other thing is, Sheep are defenseless. There's a reason when you go to a house, they don't have a, a, a sign on their fence that says, beware of sheep, right? <laughs> um, back up, sheep in the backyard. Um, there's a, well, I mean, it's just going to go, man. You know, it's just, there's, no, there's nothing that's going to happen. You go into the backyard with the dog, it's going to growl, right? I mean, even a cat, before you kick it, arches its back and hisses. You know, you kick cats, not me. Um, but, you know. <laughs> Cats have some sort of defense. A snake, you know, all these things. But a sheep, do you know what a sheep does if a wolf attacks or a bear? It starts running in a circle. It's called they flock. And they start running in a circle hoping that the bear or the wolf just takes one of their friends and not them. That's their defense. Think of that. What a great strategy, right? They're defenseless. They can't. They can't really do much for themselves. And when we start looking at sheep's lives, and we start looking at our own, if we're really honest, if we start really looking at them and how it reflects on us, we understand something, and it's our first point. When there's honest self-evaluation, there is the realization of the need for a shepherd. If we're really to just break down our pride if we're really just not, not to make ours, and we do this, we make ourselves, we put off better than what we really are. When there is honest self-evaluation, when I'm getting real with myself, there's a realization that you, that me, that we have a need for a shepherd. John chapter 10, verse 11 through 14 says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him, and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. I love that Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He doesn't say I'm better than most. He doesn't say I'm not as bad as some. He doesn't even say, hey, I'm an average shepherd, right? Because nobody's attracted to average, right? Like if you are, if you are in a relationship and you are dating someone and somebody asks you, hey, you know, what's your girlfriend like? Oh, she's average. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you attracted to her? Oh, she's kind of an average-looking woman. Like, what? 
They ask you about the guy. Oh, he's average annoying. You know, not uber annoying. He's average psycho obsessive. I mean, he's just kind of, nobody's attracted to average. Like, for real? Like, you don't go out and tell your friends, hey, I went to this really just kind of okay place to eat, and it's really average food for average price. You really need to go check it out. It's really going to be worth your time and change your life. No, you don't do that, right? You go and tell them about places that are amazing, and great, that's what you do. Nobody wants to be the average athlete that rides the bench, right? Like, hey, how's your son? Oh, whew. he's average. <laughs> like, he's not the worst on the team. He's not the best. He's just, he's just kind of average, right? I mean, we don't shoot our average grades. Mom and dad, I'm keeping a really solid D kind of sea balance, staying in that sweet average part of my grades, like, oh, great, son, way to go, way to go, daughter, that's, no, we don't, we don't, we don't do that, why, because we are, nobody's attracted to average, but we love good, but here's the problem with good, right, good has now come to mean average, right, if somebody says, hey, how you doing, how you doing, Adam, Chris, I'm good, right, like, I'm not great, I'm not flying over the moon, not bad, I'm good, I'm average, I'm okay, right? Like, how's everything going? Good. Like, not great, not bad, it's going good. But, but here's the problem with good. Good, when Jesus is using it here, doesn't mean good as we interpret it. In fact, it says this in Genesis 1.31. First time God really uses good in the terminology, it says this. It says, God saw all that he had made, creation, and he saw that it was good. It means this. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, that's good. Right? Like when I say, oh, I'm good, but if I say, oh, that, that's good, there's a difference. You, you know it. Here's what good means when you define it. It means pleasing and welcoming, expressing approval, having the qualities required for a particular role, skilled at, dealing, at doing or dealing with a specified thing, it's useful, advantageous, or beneficial in effect, appropriate to a particular purpose, possessing or displaying moral virtue, showing kindness, or to be thorough. He is a good shepherd. That's what Jesus is saying. I, I am the, I, I'm not just a shepherd. I am the good shepherd. And this is what Jesus is saying. And when you and I realize that we do our honest self-evaluation of our life, and we look at our life and what we need, we would be fools not to allow God to be our good shepherd. Because he knows what we need. Let's flush this out a little bit more. When, when we go to the FFA barn in Jinx, um, Charlie's sheep, you've got the Bowman sheep, we've got three sheep that we know that are well taken care of. Um, what it means to be a good shepherd or take good care of your sheep in the FFA world for us means we clean out the pen today. We, um, we, we feed, we water. Charlie walks peaches around. She works with her, works on her stance. All of you are like, what are you talking about? It's like a dog show, okay? Westminster dog show. They walk them around, they get them to stand. Um, that's, that's pretty much what you need to know. I know it's weird, but that's my world right now. And so this, this is kind of what they do. And then you see these sheep taken care of, and right next to them is a sheep that a student has that I got in trouble for saying his name. His name's Dale. Um, but... Um, saying his name, and, and he does a horrible job of taking care of his sheep. I'm just going to be real honest. His, his pen is nasty. It's gross. It stinks. 
half the, most of the time he doesn't feed his sheep. He's asking somebody else, hey, can you feed my sheep? Um, like I'm like, dude, there's something in the Bible verse about that. But um, we're, everybody else is feeding a sheep, never gets to go for a walk, never is worked with. Um, and you're just like, you feel sorry for the sheep. In fact, the sheep got a disease the other day, and we had to move the other sheep away from him. We're like, don't touch that guy. It was like mid-high all over again. Like you can't sit at that table because they're the nerds. Um, here's the deal. He's not being a good shepherd. Charlie knows what her sheep needs, and she's taking care. Can I tell you, your Savior, Jesus Christ, knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly, not, what, not, not just your wants, not just what you think would be. He knows what you need, and he takes great care of you. And the reason is, is because he is a Good shepherd. I love what Philip Keller said. He said this, the master of your life makes the difference in your destiny. The master of your life makes all the difference in your destiny. And what you need to understand and what I have to understand is this, is that something is shepherding your life and my life. Something, someone, some desire is leading and shepherding your life and my life. And if we understand that, we understand this is that you bear the mark of your shepherd. You bear the mark of whatever is leading you, whatever is guiding you, whatever is directing you. You reflect the mark. You represent whatever is shepherding and leading you. In his book, he talks about the first time that Philip Keller got a, 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 a group of lambs and sheep, he would, his friend gave him a, a, a cutting knife, and he would have to take each sheep and put it, not put it down, but put its head down and, and put its, his mark in the ear. It sounds gruesome, and it sounds inhumane, but this way, the shepherd could tell which sheep is his, and other people could see what sheep is his, even from a distance, because that sheep bared the mark of his shepherd. And the question is, do you bear his mark or you do you bear the mark of this world? Because you're going to bear a mark. You're representing and you're being led by something. So what is your life bearing? What is it producing? Because Paul tells us this, that if we're truly following the Spirit's lead and Jesus' lead and he's our shepherd, it's going to produce one thing. But if we are leading our lives and we're allowing culture to lead our lives and we're just following our, our emotions and our self-led nature, it's going to produce something else. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 25, it says this. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. It's very easy to identify. There's a mark on your life. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, Harry Potter. Um, I'm just playing. Um, some of you are like, really? Um, hostility. I thought that was so 90s. Um, hostility. I just opened a can. Quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is what your sinful-led nature produces. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, singular, in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. They're dead. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. What's your life producing? Is it producing envy and jealousy and quarreling and immorality? Drunkenness? Partying like a, like, just like a crazy person, right? What, what's your life producing? Because what your life produ- is producing is what you're following. And if you're being led by the good shepherd, it produces the fruit of the Spirit. There's love, and there's joy, and there's peace, and there's kindness, and there's patience, and there's goodness, and there's faithfulness, and there's self-control. And I know I'm missing some, but there's all these things in every aspect of your life. It's what's happening at work. It's what's happening at home. It's what's happening in your marriage. It's what's happening in your relationship with your kids. It's what's happening in your finances. It's what's happening to all these different aspects of your life. Why? Because your life is being led by something other than yourself and your sinful-led nature. It's being led by your good shepherd. But here's the deal. He doesn't force himself to be your good shepherd. Right? Jesus doesn't make you follow him. It's something you and I have to choose to do. And here's what I found out. And and here's what, what, what I love about this first verse. The Lord is my shepherd. The result is this. I shall not want. When the Lord is my shepherd, if, if the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want. And second, second point, and we're, we're rounding third, I promise. When you surrender control to Christ, you find contentment in Christ. When you surrender control to Christ, you find contentment in Christ. Socrates said this, he who is not content with what he has would not be content with what he would like to have. Our lives many times, man, are just full of being dissatisfied, wanting more never content, and the promise of this scripture is this, I will not be in want. I love what the NIV says. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. I lack nothing. I will lack nothing. I will be content where where God has me if I've allowed God to be my shepherd. there's There's this huge effect that this first verse has on our life. If God is my shepherd, then I am pleased and I am understanding and I'm okay with his management of my life. And this statement is a statement of pride. Man, look at who my shepherd is. I don't want for anything. I don't lack anything. It doesn't mean that you get what you want, right? It doesn't mean that you don't go through hard times. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. We'll get to that. It doesn't mean that you're going to understand the way he takes you. This past week, man, just just for a perfect example, this is Halloween bounty from one child. 
from Chloe, right? This is after she threw away all the good and plenty and the smarties and the nasty stuff. All you cheap people who ain't representing Jesus during Halloween give out. I'm um, just saying, you're Christ ambassadors. Let's, do, let's pick up our candy game, folks. Um, here's the deal. This, this, is, this is just Chloe. And, and even though Chloe is in seventh grade, Chloe would love to have dominated one of these bags, Right? Like, at nighttime, like, hey, hey, I, I, I earned all this, right? Um, so I, I should be able to eat all this. I should be able to. But, but here's the great thing. Chloe's not in control of her life yet. Thank God. We said, no, no, no. You can have, like, five, I was like six, six pieces of candy. And then, you know, let's, let's put it back. Why? Because we knew if we let Chloe just do what she wanted, it was going to have a negative effect on her sleep, on the way that she felt. She's going to feel sick. It's not good for her. It's not, it's not because we don't like Chloe. We love Chloe, but we know what's best for Chloe. Can I tell you, your shepherd knows what's best for you. And you may not have this, and you may feel like you're lacking this, but when you start focusing on who is in control of your life, who is shepherding your life, who you are following and what he is doing in your life and for your life, you come to this place that says, man, the Lord, he's my shepherd. He's the one guiding and directing me and protecting me. So, so what, what do I have need of? Man, I lack, I lack nothing but he, because he's in control of everything. Because what I've seen is people that have everything you could ever want, and yet they have nothing because they're following the wrong shepherd. Paul said this, and I close with this. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 through 13, it says, I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, and that's a challenge. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I can do all this because he, the Lord, is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. God, I ask right now that in this place, this, this is a, a, just a huge message for us, a huge principle for us to, to allow this to be a reality for our life. God, I, I pray that in this place, there would be honest self-evaluation. We would evaluate our lives and, and not dismiss the way it is, but really own up to the way it is. And that we would understand, man, we have a need of a shepherd. And something right now in this moment is shepherding, is guiding, is directing our life. And our question and we have to answer is, what is that something? Who is that something? Because if it's not you, it's producing something that's going to lead us to regret. That's going to lead us to a, a place we never wanted to get to. Because, Lord, it's our own wandering that leads us in trouble. It's our own selfish desires. That lead, it's our own sinful-led nature that leads us to places we never thought we would go to. Doing things we never envisioned ourselves doing and costing us things we never would have handed over. But Lord, you guide us in ways that lead to life and life to the full. 
So God, I pray today that we would be able to declare this, that the Lord is my shepherd. He is guiding, he is directing, and I bear his mark. And when I lose control to Christ, I find contentment in him. I realize because he is the shepherd of my life, I don't lack. I may not have everything I want, but I lack nothing. I may not understand every direction I'm going, but I lack nothing. And my focus is not concerned on what I am lacking, but my focus is focused and my, my focus is concerned on who is leading and who is directing my life because it's the good shepherd. It's the Lord as my shepherd. I want to pray, move and work in us. With heads bowed and eyes closed. Every once in a while, a you will give birth to a lamb and reject it. There are many reasons this ma- mother lamb may do this. If the lamb is returned to the ewe, the mother may even kick the poor animal away. And once the ewe rejects one of her lambs, she will never change her mind. And these little lambs will hang their heads so low that it looks like, it's, like there's something wrong with its neck. Their spirit is broken, and these lambs are called bummer lambs. Unless the shepherd intervenes, that lamb will die. Rejected and alone. So here's what the shepherd does. He takes the rejected little one into his home. He hand feeds it and keeps it warm by the fire. And he will wrap wrap it up with blankets and hold it to his chest so the bummer lamb can hear his heartbeat. Once the lamb is strong enough, the shepherd will place it back in the field with the rest of the flock. But that sheep never forgets how the shepherd cared for him when his mother rejected him. When the shepherd calls for the flock, guess who runs to him first? That's right, the bummer sheep. He knows his voice intimately. It's not that the bummer lamb is loved more. It just knows intimately the one who loved it. It's not that the lamb is loved more. It's just experienced that love one on one. And this morning, you may be here and you may feel rejected. You may feel alone. You may feel like, man, I have messed up too much. And you come into this place and your head and your spirit feels broken and it's hanging low. Can I tell you, your shepherd sees you, he loves you, and he still desires to be your good shepherd if you'll let him. This morning, as we get ready to close service, if you're here and you say, Justin, where I'm at isn't where I should be in my relationship with Jesus Christ, we want to give you a chance to change that. Today, if you're here and you say, Justin, I've been running too long, and I need my shepherd to find me, he knows right where you are, and all you have to do is stop and ask. And he'll live the 99 for the one. That's you. When I count to three, I'm just going to invite you to raise your hand, and we're going to lead you in a prayer to change your life. One, two, three. Is there anyone here today? You say, Justin, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, is there anyone else? You join these hands that are lifted. You say, Justin, that's me. Anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted. You, You say, Justin, that's me. Before we go any further, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these three hands that are lifted. Before we go any further in service, you say, Justin, that's me. you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today and I confess that I have sinned and that I've messed up. But God, I turn away from that life. I repent of it and I turn to you. And I ask that you would be my shepherd. That you would lead and you would guide me. I confess you, Jesus Christ, to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. If you have any questions or in need of prayer or would like to join a connect group, feel free to email me at nicole at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv.